I'm Kate Daniels. At this busy partying season, we might well find ourselves indulging in stuff that tastes good, but ultimately may be the source of real discomfort, even pain. And it can easily be our daily living that causes this. Among Dr. Susan Blum's credentials are being part of the senior faculty with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, founder of Blum Center for Health in New York, and author, most recently, of Healing Arthritis, your three-step guide to conquering arthritis naturally. Let's meet Dr. Blum for more details. Dr. Susan Blum, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Well, good morning, and thank you for having me. It is really my pleasure because here in our conversation about arthritis this morning, but more specifically, uh, Healing Arthritis, which is the title of your new book, we are having the opportunity to discuss this really challenging disease that affects too much of the population by looking at it from a more natural perspective, which I think is going to be like... Uh, medicine, if you will, to everyone's ears to look at things a little more gently on our bodies. Am I correct in looking at it that way? Yes. And actually, you know, what I like to say about arthritis is that we all think, you know, the conventional way of approaching, approaching arthritis is that it's a problem in the joints. And uh, people are given pain medicine to help get rid of their pain in their joints. But the message really is that I'm really driving home in the book, and I want to share with your listeners today, is that arthritis is a systemic health condition. It's, it's, a, it's the inflammation that you feel in your joints, the pain you feel in your joints, it's originating as inflammation somewhere else in the body. And so the approach that we use, uh, the approach that makes the most sense and that works is to find and treat all those sources of inflammation, and then your pain will get better. So I'm actually really offering people listening and people reading the book like a really different way of thinking about it. You know, and then, of course, offering natural ways of of repairing. You know, so where do you go to find those sources? And it's things like food, and it's things like stress, and it's things like gut health, you know. And so we can dig into all those things later, but the point is that it's a different approach, and we're really finding and treating the sources of inflammation in the body. And dare I say, because as I was jumping around in the book, looking at the process and you're saying that the inflammation is in different parts of the body, I think back to conversations I've had with with medical professionals about dementia, about Alzheimer's, about yeah. heart disease and stroke. And they all kind of really dovetail to some of the core things in our life that we can be doing better to really be preventive on all these fronts with disease. That's exactly right. And, you know, the epidemic of chronic health conditions in the 21st century that we all find ourselves in, you know, arthritis is an epidemic. Like, nobody thinks of it that way, but the statistics are really troubling. It's, one, it's the leading cause of disability in the United States. It's also the, um, when you think about it's not just for older people, that it's getting younger and younger. So 30% of people, adults aged 45 to 65, right in that middle age group, have doctor-diagnosed arthritis. And so it's another itis, you know. And so we have this whole arthritis piece. But in addition, yes, we have dementia and we have cardiovascular disease and we have diabetes and all these complex diseases that are chronic and inflammatory in nature we're discovering they all have these common underlying 
beginnings, right? We call them triggers, you know, or origins of the cause of where these things come from in the body. And all these things are systemic diseases. You know, I think that this is where the, uh, again, the modern view, the nice thing about practicing functional medicine, so I'm a functional medicine specialist. Uh, I There's a, a whole medical specialty that's emerged called functional medicine, and I did my training back in 2001 um, in this field, and I'm a conventionally trained doctor in internal medicine, and I was not, and I'm also bored in preventive medicine, so I was really interested in how do you prevent complex chronic disease? How do you prevent people from getting heart disease and, and diabetes and all these things? And um, and what we're learning from this approach, which is this functional medicine approach, which is finding the cause, right? We find and treat the root cause of illness is with this epidemic of inflammatory conditions, because we now know inflammation's at the root of it, when we go and look for the origins of inflammation in the body, they're similar, just like you said, for all these health conditions. And and I really believe that also this field of genetics, you know, this whole leading, we're really understanding genetics now. We're, we're at the very beginning, I think, of understanding it. But I think whether or not um, what kind of disease a person gets is going to be determined in part by the genetic code. So... I have a lot of in, um, autoimmune disease in my family uh, genetically. And so that's when I get inflamed or I have inflammation or imbalance in my body, that's how I, it's where I go. You know, I end up with something autoimmune where somebody else might have genes that predispose them to getting cancer or genes that will predispose them to heart disease. And so, but at the root of it are these triggers. And so, and they're so common sense, you know, um, in some ways, I guess for me they are because I've been living them for so long. They are common sense, and I I love that you phrase it in that way because if we look at it in our lives and see what it is that we're doing, what we can really quite simply change, but it is a decision to make a change, really can make such a world of difference. And putting in that genetic factor, we can see why some people would then be predisposed to arthritis being the condition in their life. Others are predisposed then to cardiovascular disease. So, you know, really framing it in this way is common sense and so logical. Right. And and the other thing about arthritis that sort of mucks things up a little bit outside of the genetics is that we do have, there is such a thing as wear and tear as we age, okay? And people do get injured. And so there are other things that will predispose to arthritis. Um, that are beyond outside of genetics, right? So, injury and as we and just na- the natural process of aging does, you know, give some wear and tear in the joints. But what studies are very clear about is that there's a difference between an aging just when you look in an X-ray, the the aging joint and an osteoarthritis joint looks completely it looks different. So. Aging is inevitable, but, but arthritis is, doesn't have to be. And that the damage that the joint gets that creates the osteoarthritis as separate from aging and wear and tear looks different, and that's what triggers, that, that's part of the whole inflammatory process. And so um, I'm really here to debunk that myth. You know, people think that they're inevitably going to get arthritis. And, um, and yes, you have an increased risk if you injured your joint, and that's an increased risk for all kinds of arthritis, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis and um, 
you know, uh, inflammatory autoimmune arthritis, which is one big category. I cover all types of arthritis in the book. And the other big category is osteoarthritis. And, and um, so damage will sort of attract the inflammation there a little bit, you know, but it's another reason why you can then reduce that pain and inflammation by quenching the inflammation where it's beginning. And, um, and so it's just a really fascinating, you know, I'm really enjoying myself actually sharing this information and watching people be shocked, you know, to know that this isn't something inevitable. It is very exciting because there's just way too much in the media on all these different kinds of pharmaceuticals that one can take to uh, appease all these pains in our body, whereas what you're doing is informing us from a very educational perspective and then practicality with what we do in our life, some of it, well, a lot of it being what we put into our body food-wise that can make this world of difference. That makes a world of difference. So here, and so, so yes, and so one of the things I've come to learn, and uh, so I've been practicing this way for two decades, and I wrote my first book called The Immune System Recovery Plan, just all about immune and inflammation and autoimmunity um, in 2013, because as a functional medicine person, the people that come to find me are people who are struggling with inflammation in the body, autoimmunity, arthritis of any kind, even and then really any anything that um, chronic pain or heart disease, really any diseases, any health issues or concerns, and are not feeling better from being treated in the modern approach, right? So, like you're saying, the these people that are just they go to the conventional doc and they're offered pain meds. And, you know, they might just be feeling good enough, but they know that they could feel so much better, and they're looking for another way. And then there's a lot of people that come find me because they really don't want to take those medications, and they want another way, you know. And so, um, and so I, I, through all these years, functional medicine has attracted really people with complex chronic um, health issues that just want another way. And, and I really, after all the experience of working with people all these years, I needed to, I've seen it, how successful it is from making lifestyle change and from healing the gut. And I wanted to share that in the book. That's the hope and that's the message. It's that this is not inevitable and I've seen it and I know it and I have a program that works because I do it every day in the office. And actually it's not just me. I have a whole group of doctors now working, you know, with me at Blum Center and this is the way we work with everybody. And, um, and what's really, what I've really um, come to appreciate is sort of this, um, the importance of this interconnection, like thinking about the body as an ecosystem, and that nothing is a quick fix, which is why, you know, as much as I'd love to tell all your listeners, well, you just do this for a month and you'll be good to go, it doesn't really work that way. And here's why. Um, the Yes, we have to figure out how to, you know, we have to teach people to eat an anti-inflammatory diet, and step one is always about food, right? How, you know, and in the book, I, I have a whole section that reviews all the different kinds of diets in the, that are out there, and the ones we know, studies show, are good for arthritis and anti-inflammatory. But the gut, not only is food directly anti-inflammatory, meaning the nutrients in the food that you eat come into your body and put out the fire, um, and by removing the foods that fuel the fire, you know, you, you do that as well. So fixing the food. But food is the number one most influential thing on the health of your gut. You have these 100 trillion bacteria that live in the digestive tract, and they help us. They help promote 
um, a good immune system. They help keep the intestinal lining barrier strong. You know, the whole digestive system, um, uh, you know, keeps it working. And so these flora, these friendly flora, are really very critical for, in, uh, for really the balance of them and, and the health of them are critical for really determining the levels of inflammation in the body is the bottom line. And food is the number one thing that influences them. And so long term, you, you ha- we have to, it's sort of like, you know, what you just said about understanding that um, some changes that people do have to make long term. And, but teaching, teaching people to eat in a way that promotes gut health, that promotes a healthy microbial population in the gut will, will keep you feeling better and will prevent inflammation going forward and will treat and reverse the inflammation you have. And so there is a long-term piece to this. You know, it's not just a quick fix. It's really a lifestyle change. We need to really embrace that fact, I feel. It is. We have to, we have to embrace the lifestyle piece. And so here's the thing. So the three-step program that I offer in the book, I always, whenever we say, oh, we have a food plan, so it's always step one is called the leaky gut diet for arthritis. And that's very much all about teaching people to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. But there's also, it is where we eliminate foods. And and people always get a little bit like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to remove all those foods? I can't have gluten, dairy, soy, corn, eggs. And we take out the nightshades because um, tomatoes, potatoes, eggplant, and peppers have been shown. They have compounds in them that are particularly irritating for the joints for some people. And so... The first step is where uh, the first step is a short-term therapeutic food plan, and I call it that because you'll feel better very quickly. And don't worry; it's just for a period of time. The intensity of you know how you have to really follow this and pull a lot of things that you might love to eat out of your food, because it's an opportunity to learn what foods might be triggering symptoms for you. You know, everybody's a little bit different. Um, the foods that we sort of make, the, the, the foods we remove in an elimination diet are always are the co- most common ones that we, through tried and true experience and even through studies, have shown um, tend to uh, result in people feeling better. And so we have our common list. and that So we remove a whole list of foods. And so, yeah, it's a little bit restrictive for those first weeks, but you will feel much better. You're going to learn about yourself. Because after those six weeks, you reintroduce the foods again, and you figure out which foods you're sensitive to, and that, and you make your own personalized list that you'll move forward with. So you don't. So it's an experiment, and it's and it'll make you feel better. And so there is this first step food plan, which is always step one, and then we move right into healing the gut, because. Step two is this two-month gut repair plan. And when you repair your gut, you'll be able to tolerate more foods again without it triggering pain. And so the food, um, the step one rolls into step two, and then this is where it's really important what we were saying about lifestyle change. I devoted a large section of the book to what I call step three, the finish what you started program, six-month program. Because I know it's hard for people to wrap their heads around maybe making permanent lifestyle change, but I'm really, I'm, I'm really cheerleading everyone and really explaining why it's so important. And sometimes it's only some simple things, and it doesn't have to be as big as it sounds, right? And so the studies really show that long-term, a good old Mediterranean diet is the best diet for arthritis. And why is that? And Mediterranean diets are easy to follow. They're balanced. So, so I guess 
I'm trying to sort of enlighten and, and encourage people to think that these things, what I'm suggesting is permanent changes that we both, you know, just talked about, the need for this, it, it's actually not deprivation. It's not as bad as it sounds, right? Um, it's actually easy to do. And the Mediterranean diet is very based in eating lots of healthy fat, right? So olive oil, nuts and seeds, um, fish, um, and so the kind uh, avocado, you know, the kinds of foods that you're eating, the kinds of fat, and there is not, it's really, uh, they, there's not a focus on dairy. It's it's minimal dairy. There's not a lot of dairy in the, in the, in the Mediterranean diets where they've been studied around the world. And so low dairy, low red meat, they, they, it's not like you can't eat it, but it becomes minimized. It's really about what you're focusing on and what you're minimizing. And so the quality of the fat in the Mediterranean diet, it's just they, they eat like cups of olive oil every day. These things are very anti-inflammatory. And in the Mediterranean diet, so there's not a lot of, like I said, in the animal world, it's a lot of fish, you know. And then there's, there's a lot of vegetables, like a lot, and they're all colors of all different kinds and, um, and berries and, you know, low-sugar fruits. They're not the high-sugar um, Caribbean fruits, you know, like pineapple and, and um, that are very high in sugar and banana. You know, it's really very much of a um, low sugar. And in the Mediterranean diet, people don't eat processed food. They, they, it's very farm-to-table, you know, so to speak. And so it's the, the, the quality of the foods that are eating. And so you need to have a lot of fiber. It's high in fiber. It's high in these polyphenols, which are very colorful and antioxidants. And it's high in good fat. And that's what the gut needs, and that's what your body needs to have low inflammation going forward. And my husband actually saw a functional medicine doctor almost a year ago, and it was a bit of a culture shock for him, but he was dealing with lots of health issues. And uh, taking out the gluten and the dairy were some prime things that he thought was going to be so difficult in his life. But really, he's come to find that he quite enjoys it. He doesn't miss his milk. Well, he has almond milk. Uh, the gluten, he can feel such a difference in his body that he's grateful for the change that he doesn't need to have conventional breads. If he wants bread, he has the gluten-free kind. And there's so much available on the market in that way now. Exactly. And I'm so glad you gave that as an example because... It's sort of the way I like to describe this. Um, um, my goal is to help create an aha moment for each person, right? So your husband had this great moment of realization when he removed the foods for his exp period of time to see how he would feel. He felt a lot better. And probably his functional doc had him, like, eat it again just for a few days each one just to see if he could feel the difference in his body, you know, from eating it again. We call it just... Um, testing. You know, we always just sort of test the food again to see how you feel. But my goal by doing this experiment, the goal is to create this sort of aha moment for each person. And I really agree. I really believe that. And your husband's a perfect example that um, it's intellectually, it sounds hard to imagine you're going to follow a food plan like that. But once, if you're a person who is really not feeling well, and this could be from just, you might just not, it might not even be arthritis. Maybe you have fatigue or brain fog or you have digestive symptoms and you always feel bloated or who knows what, but you just don't feel as well as you feel you could. You're dealing with some chronic symptoms of some kind. You'd be surprised, if you 
eliminate a few foods, and then we always gluten and dairy are the two big ones. Those are the easy. Those are the if you only do two, those would be the two to start with. And if you feel better, and you realize it's connected to those foods, you're going to choose to not eat those foods anymore because you want to feel that way. And um, and once you make your own connection, you know it's a lot of in some ways I call it self awareness exercises, right? That if once we all become more attuned to how our bodies feel when we eat certain foods, it makes it, if you're aware and if you really um, want to keep feeling well, you'll make that choice to avoid the food that you know isn't good for you. So it's really a process of, and that's really how I explain it in the book, and in step one, that's the process I I sort of help bring people through, um, is is like your session with a nutritionist, you know, how it would be, you know, to really help sort of explain this process and why it's important. And um, and I really, my goal is to set up this aha moment, you know, and for each person, maybe some people, you know, gluten and dairy are definitely big culprits. And part of the problem with gluten and dairy is that gluten, our food supply has, even our, our wheat product is not the same kind of gluten as it used to be. It has a lot more gluten in it. It's more gluten dense. And too much gluten in your food damages the gut, you know. So we were talking about this connection between the gut and this inflammation in the body, well, there's a condition called the leaky gut, which is what happens when the intestinal lining, which should be a barrier, gets damaged. And there's like little, imagine there's little holes in it. There are gates that get damaged. And so the, um, the bacteria inside the gut, as well as food particles that are really bigger than they should be, slip into the bloodstream and your body makes a huge immune reaction against it and it creates inflammation. And so... The, what what gluten does, and the, and this, and there's a lot of research now. Clearly, you can imagine, like there's a lot of interest in actually doing this research on gluten now. But the gluten particle damages the gut, is hard on the gut lining, and and is damaging. The other thing is that wheat and a lot of grain products have a lot of um, glyphosate, you know, which is this pesticide, like Roundup. You know, you, you, I don't know if you've spoken to your listeners about Roundup, but there's a pesticide called an herbicide that is used on all these plants in a high, high amounts called Roundup, and it has a chemical in it called glyphosate. And the studies on glyphosate are are terrible now, um, not only in terms of causing cancer, but really, really damaging the gut. And so some of these foods have their effect on us because of how they damage what not only the food itself, but what comes in with the food that you're eating, and especially these pesticide loads, you know, they're studying now in humans and showing every human in the United States, especially the U.S., we have the highest levels of glyphosate in our blood than anywhere in the world because we've allowed Monsanto, you know, it's the whole GM, glyphosate comes along with GMO seeds, like the plants that are GMO, right. that are planted, um, the most amount of this Roundup and glyphosate is used on those plants. They, Monsanto sells it all together. It's like... Here's your seeds that can tolerate all this Roundup. And so we have huge amounts of Roundup in our bodies, glyphosate, and very, very, very damaging to the gut. And so if we want to heal the gut and feel better, eating in a way that really minimizes our exposure to these things are really important. And so some people say, well, it's not really the gluten in the wheat, it's all the glyphosate that's in the wheat. And so I would say, well, either way, Right now, wheat is not a good food to be eating. There's mass market wheat, you know, because it's got so much glyphosate on it. And that's where sometimes people have problems with corn and soy because those are the, those are the big two GMO crops in the country that have the most amounts of these herbicides, which damage the gut. And so 
we just have a big problem with the quality of our food. And so probably there's a wheat somewhere that's really clean and, and the original, they call it the emmer wheat or the ones from our ancestors that are the cleanest. And maybe people can tolerate those better. You know, people come to me all the time and say, I went to Europe on vacation and I, and I ate pasta and I was fine. Yes. Well, they don't allow any, any kind of, um, they're, they're very restrictive in what they allow. Uh, there's no GMO um, allowed in Europe and they don't use Roundup you know, and glyphosate on their, in their foods. And so, and they don't use the hybrid, they don't use the hybridized wheats. They have different kinds of wheat. And so we, um, it's like a big experiment that we've been doing on ourselves in the United States. And I think the food sensitivities were just, is the tip of that. This is a whole long answer to your question. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But it's an important answer. It really covers so many important aspects of this. And and just to add another note to it with the gluten is that (laughs) primarily because of my husband, as we search labels, gluten is this filler and so many things you would think shouldn't have gluten in them. So we, we can see where keeping it simple, not using any processed foods in our diet is really going to be beneficial to our overall health. But specifically, if arthritis is a condition that we're battling with, facing right now, it's really going to be critical. It will. And because if you have people with arthritis, you have arthritis, you have a damaged gut. You have a leaky gut. The studies that I review in the book, I do a whole section on the gut arthritis connection. The gut is ground zero for inflammation, especially in the joints. There's really solid evidence connecting those two things. And so healing the gut and some fascinating studies on, especially in people, there's a lot of work being done in rheumatoid arthritis and the, the whole um, autoimmune arthritis world on this connection with the gut and um, studies showing, looking at um, treating people with probiotics and and they get be- and their symptoms get better and their inflammation goes down just as a way to test the th- hypothesis that if you improve the gut microbes people will feel better because the good gut microbes keep the ba- um, the good bacteria in the gut keep that intestinal lining strong i mean so they connect those two things are sort of twins you know you have the good bacteria and the healthy intestinal lining um, there are um, but I think what we're both saying then, um, you know, which is really, really important, is that instead of just focusing on um, food groups, that it's an overall issue with the quality of the food, you know. And so when it, what it, whether it comes to the fats that you're choosing, um, whether it comes to the kinds of carbs or grains you're choosing, whether it comes to where your vegetables are grown and, and variation in vegetables, you know, this is all about choosing, it's just guidelines for choosing quality food that is has less of these toxins and that gut-damaging um, compounds in them, you know, and inflammatory, you know, foods that, you know, and that are inflammatory. And so some of it is, is and these are lifelong things. And if you live in the United States, which I do, and most of you listening, I assume, do, you know, we, our food supply is really um, problematic, and uh, and and we we're learning more and more about this every day. And so the nice thing is with the movement, the organic movement, the clean food movement, the farm to table movement. Um, you know, you can go back to basics of a really good quality Mediterranean based diet. Get rid of the don't stop going to McDonald's. You know, because if you think about fast food, they use the they take the worst quality of each of those food groups to use in the food because it's cheaper. So you're going to get a lot of, you know, um, inflammatory, uh, 
kinds of fats as well as, you know, sort of toxins coming in with your food. And that damages, that all not only triggers inflammation just from the food itself, but also damages the gut, which then is a secondary problem. There it is, in a nutshell. In a nutshell, (laughs) So to speak. (laughs) And here, in a nutshell, too, in this great book, Healing Arthritis, Your Three-Step Guide to Conquering Arthritis Naturally, Dr. Blum has put together recipes at the back along with really a simple guideline as to foods to eliminate in those first two weeks and experiment with it. Uh, We can approach this as fun, but also ultimately just feeling so much better and ultimately, hopefully, mostly pain-free. Yes, and helping repair the gut. And there's a really, really important gut repair section. Step two is all gut repair and and then here's the thing. I, I recently last week I had a psoriatic arthritis patient who came in and she finally got off of her medication. She was pain free, and then she went back to her rheumatologist who who said, "Okay, let's stop the medication." And so she's off her meds now. She has no medication and she's got no pain. And so this plan and this program can help you. And you, with osteoarthritis, you can start stop taking all that you know, um, naproxen or Advil or whatever you're living on, which is really damaging to the gut lining too. That actually damages the gut. The point is to be able to not need those medications anymore and to be pain-free. So this is the way to do it. It is. And I am so grateful that you are doing this work, Dr. Blum, and that you've taken this time with us this morning to really give us some great education. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. And you can learn more about Dr. Blum, that's B-L-U-M, at her website, blumcenterforhealth.com.